This is March 22nd, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. Welcome to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky, and the trade deadline has come and gone. So this episode is completely dedicated to breaking down the deadline. What would we think of the Bruins moves? Me and Connor, what do we think of the Bruins moves? What moves should they have made? And up front, no moves. What, is, what does that entail? Jake DeBrusque not going anywhere. What, is, what does that mean? Signing an extension too? Pretty weird deadline for them, but they are better. I will say, before we even get into the conversation, they're better than they were. Just how much better are they? Uh, before we get into today's episode, though, always make sure to go support our friends over at Bet Online. Use that promo code CLNS50 to get 50% cash back on your first deposit. Without further ado, because I know you guys want to talk trade deadline, without further ado, here's my conversation with Connor Ryan. <laughs> And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, I'm doing well. How are you doing? Doing great. Doing great. It's trade. We are recording this on trade deadline day. Of course, after the deadline, it'd be kind of dumb if we did it like during the deadline. We're doing it after. Uh, it's been a very long day for you. You were a warrior all day. How was it? You, you get a lot of stuff. Uh, Evan, it was a little uneventful. Got there at 10. Uh, I was waiting for... What I imagine was a lot of other shoes that I get to drop uh, for the Bruins in wake of the uh, Lindholm deal. Wasn't that much. I mean, again, uh, I'm sure we're going to talk about it in a second, like the big picture thing. They're a better team than they were a week ago. But I have to imagine if we're getting the pulse of the local fan in Boston, that it's probably underwhelming, disappointing. It just feels like I'm sure a lot of people were expecting a little bit more, especially in terms of upgrades up front. Well, fortunately for you, they did not make any deals when you were at your 11-hour Lord of the Rings marathon. That was the good thing. They didn't make any deals during that time. That was your Lord of the Rings time. No deals, no trades. So in that sense, yeah, bit, bit of an o- oversight on my pot that I got those tickets. And I'm like, oh, I forgot when, when it was this again. I booked I booked that back in like November, I think. I'm like, oh, oh, shit. It's right before the deadline. Legitimately right before, a.k.a. when usually most of these trades actually happen. Uh didn't have any any disasters. I had to miss Fellowship of the Ring because, you know, I had to be a warrior to talk about Hampus Lindholm. Or, but uh, yeah, but a slow, a slow uh, or a small price to pay, I guess, all then considered. But got through two towers. Uh, by the time Return of the King was playing, it was like eight o'clock. I'm like, I cannot do that. I know how it ends. So I bailed. Couldn't do it. Only did one movie. So but you know what? As you said, no trades, no trades on the ride. I didn't have to run out of the theater. Because uh, I got a, a a ding on my phone or anything like that. You're so, making everyone stand crisis up avoided. The, you're making everyone stand up in the row. You're like, no, no, no. This is important business. You don't understand. Yes. This is for Twitter. Yes. This is my job. You don't get it. Uh, but yes. anyways, two the, people are like, can you just please get to what the Bruins did uh, to, at the deadline? So we will. Bruins made two trades. Two trades. Uh, only up de- upgraded on D. We'll discuss both of those. Um, they started on Saturday. They traded to Anaheim. Earl Vakaninen. John Moore, a 2022 first round pick, a 2023 second, a 2024 second in exchange for Hampus Lindholm. Defenseman Hampus Lindholm, 
Uh, and they were Anaheim's retaining 50% of that salary. And on top of that, Lindholm signed an eight year, six and a half million dollar uh, average annual value extension, which we'll get to in a bit. Today, Monday, they made a deal, which I actually like this deal better. In terms of like smart deals, this I felt was actually better in terms of value for what you gave up and what you got. Traded Zach Seneshin in a 2022 fifth to Ottawa for Josh Brown, big right shot defenseman, which is what you needed, and a, a conditional seventh in 2022. The reason I like that more is I think that was a kind of a crafty way to get value for a piece that you didn't have any need for. You had no need for Seneshin. You had a trade request. He's from Ottawa, all those things. You got back something you actually needed. But what people want to talk about, before we get to the fact they did not add anybody up front, what'd you think of the Lindholm deal? I mean, I, I think it's definitely in the short term, it helps out this team. And again, I think if you compare them to maybe Chikrin, I think a lot of people want to Chikrin more, but it's like what well, we've had this conversation before about if the Bruins got, you know, had to settle for Claude Giroux instead of getting Tomas Shuttle, turns out they didn't get either. But in that situation, <laughs> right, where you're like, yeah, in that situation, you're not going to be, you know, kicking yourself if like, oh, we only got Claude Giroux. It's like, no, you still have a, a helpful asset that you add to your roster. So I think Lindholm, especially uh, in this situation where he's not going to be with Jamie Drysdale anymore, babysitting him in a stronger defensive system, he should do well. Like he's still a guy that even if he's maybe more of a jack of all trades, master of none, where, you know, he's not, this guy's going to give you 40, 50 points. He's not like maybe a pure shutdown guy or not like a, a physical equalizer. He's still, he's almost like a, a tier above what Kahlo is, right? He's like a, he's like a souped up burn and collar like six four not maybe overly physical but still you know snuffs out plays has a long reach active stick uh, a level below like a rasmus a level below like a rasmus delene type something like that yeah yeah and again like you put him in the system he, it's gonna help out right like he's still a legit top four presence he's a guy that uh i was expecting six six and a half million was gonna be his annual payout which is reasonable for what the market is for, for this guy. Um, and at very least it gives the Bruins options, right? Like if you want to reunite the McAvoy Grizzly pairing, you can go all for it without having to risk, you know, the situation of how that second pairing is going to do. Maybe you want to have a super pairing with McAvoy and Lindholm together. You could also do that, right? Like you can kind of switch back and forth. And as much as maybe people have talked about that third pairing of, you know, is, is Riley going to get moved? What have you? It's a good problem to have where you've got two now legit depth guys in Clifton and uh, in Brown who can slot in when needed, add that physicality. But Derek Fulbert's not getting onto the lineup. And if Riley's on the right side, even if it's maybe not his ideal spot, look at a player like that who's known for his kind of offensive talents. If he's on the third pair and getting kind of easier matchups and is allowed to maybe have a little bit more leeway, maybe that kind of brings the best out of his game as well. It's almost like, coil right where he's best suited for the third line where he can pick up out those matchups maybe that benefits riley like i'm sure maybe someone would rather have had uh you know like a calvin Dehan or, or one of these other guys or a josh manston of course but all in consider it's a good problem to have you're pushing talent further down the depth chart but uh we'll see how the lindholm deal looks in five years from now but all in considered i i still think it's a guy that it goes along with what we've said their long-term plans are is helping out this team, but also building for the future where you've got a guy who's going to be a top four fixture for at least five, hopefully more than that years. So he's going to help you out in the immediate and should be a kind of a foundational piece with McAvoy and those guys in the years ahead. 
Yeah, again, I mean, I don't, I, I, I thought the trade was pretty good. Again, you got, you got rid of John Moore's contract. Obviously, the first you, you don't want to give up, but it's understandable for you know a future, as you said, a guy five, six years going to be a fixture in the top four. To me, Lindholm makes the most sense next to Carlo, at least to start. Grizzly and uh, McAvoy's numbers are so good, like that is a top pairing. Put them together. Like now, you can do that. Um, and again, if it, if if Lindholm and Carlo are not great together, and Carlo's struggles continue, I think that's another thing. It's a kind of a bump up for Carlo too, right? I mean, you get to play with a consistent guy like Hampus Lindholm, um, which could help his game a bunch. So, to me, I think you start with Grizzly uh, and 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 McAvoy, and then uh, Lindholm and Carlo is your top four. The other thing on D, and I texted you and Ty this on earlier Monday. I thought Mike Riley was an asset you could give up and granted they didn't have much time, you know, again, they're right up against the deadline. So it's not like, you know, you had all this time to deal Mike Riley. He hasn't been, they haven't been dangling him out there, but your left side, again, your fixtures are Grizzlick and Lindholm who basically do what Riley does as well. And they're a little bit better defensively. And so they play over Riley. And then you have Forbert there as the bigger kind of shutdown presence on the left side. And again, if you put Riley on the right side, then you're fine, right? But now you kind of got Josh Brown too, who you might put on the right side. I don't know how much, or I haven't looked at his minutes yet in Ottawa, but I believe he's played like 49 games thus far. So I imagine he- Yeah, but but it's only like 13 minutes a game. So he's yeah, very so he's much not a, eating, He's not depth. eating up minutes. Yeah, he's a depth guy. He's you throw him in there when, uh, when you need it. Um, so I, I get that. But I just, in terms of them not getting any forwards, I thought maybe a guy, if you trade, I mean- this again, this is hypothetically speaking, not looking at money or anything. If you dealt Mike Riley to a Western conference team who needed a defenseman and they had a surplus of forwards and you did like a one for one swap or something, I thought maybe you could have done something with that, but they didn't. And then again, that's, that wasn't something that was really talked about that much. Um, so I, I understand that the, the, the contract and the money for Lindholm, I don't hate the cap will probably go up. Um, the market's high for defensemen again, like a guy like Lindholm, is a top four fixture, which is like not something you just get easily. It's also hard to draft. Um, uh, in terms of the Senishin deal, I assume you also like that. That was a pretty simple move. Yeah, I mean, I, one, it's, uh, you know, you're giving up a fifth round pick. You're getting, I think, a conditional seventh round pick back. So what have you there? And again, you're looking at even if Brown is literally just a, a depth piece that it's almost like a tonority where, you know, if you bring him into the lineup, if needed, if it gets physical, you can bring him in and see what he adds to this team more insurance than anything. But even that role is going to offer more than what Senechin was going to bring to this team. Right. Like at this point, the bridges were burned. I think Senechin had a trade request out there since December, I want to say. So it was right after um, DeBrusks went public and Senechin yeah, he was, was like, like, wait, wait I, can I can do this, do this too. too? <laughs> oh, Oh shit. Uh, but yeah, even you know, even if his numbers have been pretty solid down the AHL this season, I don't know how much he was really going to help out this team in the immediate future uh, for how much you know time he has left here. So might as well send him in a spot that hopefully he should benefit from. I mean, he's from Ottawa. That's a team that could use just minutes at this point, so he could probably get a shot to see if he sticks up the NHL level. And again, it's an asset that the Bruins weren't going to have moving forward in, in terms of maximizing the value. So at a depth piece that at the very least could help you out or at least round out your depth ahead of the playoff push. Yeah, no, I had no issue with that deal. Uh, again, but I expected more from Monday. And so the more is people thought, okay, they're going to go for a top six winger at the least, right? A Connor Garland, a Philip Forsberg, neither got moved. Ricard Raquel, he went to Pittsburgh for, I believe, a second. Uh, 
two younger players like Zach Ashton Reese and um, Dominic Simon. Simon. Simone. Simone. Yeah. And what was the other piece? There was a, another piece in there too. I another, think. another like pick, I think. Right. So, yeah, it was. Like that. So it, it was a second and, and two players it felt like, um, again, that's a pure rental. Like Raquel does not seem like he's set on. He wants to, he wants to anywhere. Market. He wants to hit market. So that's a pure rental piece. That's why I think he was not included in the Lindholm deal. Um, but again, still didn't, you know, no Andrew cop. Uh, he went to New York. Uh, there were no, you know, no, obviously no JT Miller didn't get anything up front. And you also didn't trade Jake DeBrusque. Instead, they extended him uh, early Monday morning, two years, 4 million per again, making it him more of a palatable trade uh, person, because again, you don't have to give him the qualifying offer. He has a deal. Um, how did you feel that they didn't do any, uh, anything for new forwards? I mean, I think it's obviously the first reaction disappointing. I think, when you have you acquire a guy like Lindholm, you have that momentum. You you check off one of the key things you had to address at the deadline. Plus, you're giving up. You know, you're moving John Moore's contract. Anaheim's eating half of uh, Lindholm's salary. You're like, all right, they're you know they're looking to make a push to improve this team while also setting aside you know some assets and some money aside that they can acquire another four. That's what we were all thinking, right? So when it doesn't happen, of course you're disappointed, right? Because you feel like there's still like another shoe to drop. Now, again, it's not just uh, the Bruins in terms of looking to acquire someone, right? Because I think you, you listen to Don Sweeney, you look at how many players they were linked to. They were clearly looking to add. It's also what I think, you know, it's this is a problem with, where you break it down immediately. Is people don't think you're going to be making excuses, but also it's it depends on the market too, right? It depends on did the, would the Bruins would have loved to get Claude Drew. Yeah, they actually made a pretty damn good offer for him. Claude Drew said no. Colorado also apparently like was in after him too. He wanted to go to Florida. All the best to you. Go from go from Philly to Florida. I can't blame you. I guess. What a, what a market. What a what a change in pressure from the market. Like you go from Philly, which is yeah, exactly. charged up, to just South yeah. Florida. Yeah, exactly. So you make a push there. It doesn't work out. They're in on Tomas Hurdle and San Jose does. I don't know what the fuck they're doing and re ups him with that crippled financial situation they've got there. So. I don't know what you're supposed to do there. And then Vancouver's another team that seems like they're, I think their playoff odds after they had these two recent losses to Calgary and Buffalo, I think is at 5%. Seems like a team that, all right, well, we had a little push with Bruce Boudreaux. We still have young assets, but we have to sell off some guys. I don't think they were going to move JT Miller, but the fact that they don't move either Garland or Besser, I don't know what you're supposed to do there, right? Like they're going for it. It's not moving them. Yeah. Like at that point, I don't know what else is the, the option. So like, again, I look at, Raquel and Cop, and those ones I think are more unfortunate in that one, especially like Raquel goes to Pittsburgh, Cop goes to New York, which helps other teams in the East. Um, and at that point, it's whether or not you weigh how much of an upgrade they present over a guy like DeBrusque, maybe, or or what have you. Because is Raquel a sizable jump up from DeBrusque? You could have that argument. Like, I don't know. It's not, I would have, the guy that I think the Bruins should have gone after was Gallen, who I think is a sizable upgrade from a guy like DeBrusque, but he wasn't out there. Right, like Situa- not- a situation, you know. Yes, exactly. Uh, but I-, I think it's one of those spots or situations, as you said, where uh, of course the Bruins were looking to upgrade. It's just so much of it hinges on the market and what's out there. And if the only reasonable offer they were going to get is a guy like Cop, who was going to take another first round pick to get as a pure rental, then I don't know if they were going to do that. If he was the only real guy, him and Raquel, Raquel who. 
I bet if he was willing to work out a uh, negotiation, I'm going to take a pretty educated guess that he would have been here in Boston with his buddy, Hampus Lindholm, but he wants to go to market. He wants to get paid because he kind of had a low balled contract for a long time in Anaheim. So a lot of factors go into it. And I'm sure all of those reasons I listed aren't going to make probably Bruins fans feel any better about the state of their forward core, because you've still got a lot of risk with DeBrusque in the first line and a lot of risk with Eric Hollers or 2C, but so much it hinges on what the rest of the market is that's playing out. And it wasn't very conducive for the Bruins to say the least uh, when it got to crunch time. You mentioned odds for the playoffs, you know, not great odds from the Canucks, right? 5% for the playoffs. They're still trying to go for it though. But when you're talking about really good odds, we're talking about a good friends over at Bet Online. It's that time of year. College basketball takes center stage as the tournament is finally upon us. Looking to wager this year, Bet Online is the number one spot for all your updated odds and info, along with great contests, including the bracket contest where you have a chance to take home the top prize. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting in your favorite Vegas casino games. The fastest and easiest way to wager on all the popular sports and games. Again, use that promo code CLNS50, 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Speaking of the tournament, I spent my entire weekend watching it. For work, it was actually a lot of fun. It was so much happening. Um, so many games, so many upsets. Love this time of year for that stuff. Uh, make sure you go over to Bet Online uh, and bet on all the games because Sweet 16 is coming up next week. And you got the women's tournament too. So a lot of good stuff. Um, and you got the new, um, it's not March Madness, but the college hockey bracket is now out. No BU, unfortunately. I was hoping BU would be in it. I knew they wouldn't be, obviously, after the weekend. Uh, but was hoping that down the stretch, BU would make a run for it. Uh, but unfortunately, not there. Alas. Alas. But there a lot of Massachusetts teams, though. UMass, Harvard, UMass, uh, Lowell, Northeastern. Doesn't matter. A- AIC. AIC Doesn't is matter. Massachusetts College. <laughs> no BU, no BC. Unfortunate. Unfortunate stuff. Um, anyways, so your top six right now. Marshan, Bergeron, DeBrusque, Hall, Halla, Pasternak. Question that everyone's going to be asking, is that enough? Right now on D, you're good. You're pretty set on D, but up front, you got Jake DeBrusque on the top line. You got Eric Halla down the middle on the second line, which we've kind of come to terms to, right? That was something that is the market kind of looked worse for centers. You know, JT Miller probably wasn't going to get moved. Tomas Hurdle got re-signed. It was kind of like, all right, you know, Halla, fine. But DeBrusque is going to get moved, right? Didn't get moved. Yeah, no, it's one of those ones where I think you just got to look at it with, uh, it all depends on how much you view how those two lines can can fare in the playoffs, right? Because you can paint the rosy picture, which is, all right, well, the Hall, Hall, Apostling line looked pretty good so far. Like, what's to say they can't keep it up in the playoffs, which, sure, right? I, I guess that could happen, or it couldn't because you still don't have a guy that necessarily elevates that line down the middle in Hall. Again, he's been solid. He's definitely exceeded expectations for what his roles and how important he is to the team, but still whether it's a guy like, you know, David Krejci, who was out of the equation, or again, any of the other guys you've mentioned before in, in uh, Hurdle or, or Giroux, like there's a certain level of talent that elevates those guys around him. I don't know if Hall is that guy. Granted, you've got kind of a guy who's pretty much just a playmaking center of his own in Hall in terms of just how he plays the game, which helps out a little bit. But still, I think you'd feel a lot better with a more proven guy down the middle. And then DeBrusque, it's, 
a situation where, I mean, that guy, he's had his trade request out there since the summer is what we've heard now. So it's been quite some time. Um, and again, it's just the logic of how they're approaching it now. You can see it, right? Where it's, all right, we've wiped out that qualifying offer. A team that's interested in him, there's cost certainty there. Like he's not being overpaid. It's not like a poison pill contract or anything like that. Um, but I think in order to actually seal the deal and get a return for him in the, the summer now, it's going to come down to him producing down the stretch, which on paper makes sense. And if you look at who he's with, could very well happen. Like, I don't know he's going to be a 30 goal scorer down the stretch here, right? But you put him with Mashin and Bergeron, even though they've kind of had a few ups and downs in terms of just baseline production, you're probably encouraged by it. And he could have a great postseason. And who knows how far the Bruins go, but even if they come up short, but he has, you know, five, six goals this playoff run, then you probably get something pretty solid for him in the offseason. But who knows? We've seen DeBrusque before, and we see how up and down he could be. So if that first line stalls, not only does it tank your chances this year, but are you going to just settle at that point for like a second and a fourth round pick, you know, in the offseason? So there's plenty of risk involved. It's not that great that probably the line people are most excited or confident in right now is the uh, the Frederick Smith coil line, which is a good thing, right? Like that third line is playing great, but, and again, you can paint the rosy picture of if all those three lines work uh, and start clicking at the same time, you've got three lines that could legitimately score night in and night out. It's all about just hoping it pans out. And if it's, whether it be, a guy like Raquel maybe, or obviously the guys like Hurdle, who we thought were their main their main targets, Mickey Field just a lot better going into it. Now it's, all right, they could be good, but probably would have liked a little bit more certainty in, in so many vital spots in the lineup. You know, I've said all year, the depth is the most important thing for them come the playoffs. The one thing you never take into account is the default is the first line is going to always produce. Now you don't really know that because they haven't been producing that great over the past month, month and a half. With DeBrusque up there, and now you're without Bergeron in, in the in the short term with an injury, so that's an even scarier thought. Is like, well, if DeBrusque goes down or Bergeron ever went down, you have problems um, up front because again, your your reserve forwards are like Jack Stadnika, Oscar Steen, uh, and Anton Bleed. You don't have a lot there to kind of spice up some offensive creativity. Even someone like Andrew Kopp, who I was not super excited about. But again, if you get him, that's a guy you can plug in place pretty much anywhere in your top nine and you're going to get production from. So um, I, I don't understand not going for a forward. I get that the market is an issue and, you know, costs are high or players don't want to go to certain places. I understand that. But I just look at the top six and I go, well, that's going to be what keeps you out of the playoffs. Uh, not out of the playoffs. Going to kick you out of the playoffs uh, come the time. That would, you know, again, things would go great on the top line. DeBrus could click like crazy and be a great draft day move. What I'm saying is if anything is to, to get in the way of your chances to beat Tampa or Carolina or Florida, aside from those, the fact that those teams are better than you, it's going to be your top six. It's going to be that first line with DeBrusque on the right side. That would be what hampers your chance. Not hampers, but hampers your chances. Everyone um, sounds the same if I say yeah. it. So. Yeah, hampers, exactly. See, everyone was excited for Connor Garland to come here because you would be able to say it. Connor Garland would be Oh, right off the tongue for you. Um, Josh Brown doesn't really have the same ring. To no, it, does it, it doesn't. Doesn't. Uh, doesn't at all. Um, it's, I found it funny that in Hampus's uh, pregame or uh, media availability when he came here, you asked a question. You said something with a Boston accent. I was like, that must be like Hampus's uh, 
official welcome to Boston. Like, oh, I'm talking to these Bostonians, you know. Probably saw, like, Boston a, uh, sound like... probably saw a fan jumped on the Zoom or something like that. Some guy <laughs> down at South Station. The guy behind, uh, the, the, the Bruins fan who was behind, was it Baker? Uh, given the, speech, oh, yeah. the uh, Bruins sweatshirt. Marty, I think it was Marty Walsh, right? It was like, Marty right Walsh. Early, it was yeah. Marty Walsh. Early quarantine. Early in, the, early in the quarantine, yeah. Feels like years ago now. Um, let's look at the rest of the Atlantic, and let's kind of look at the league for a, a couple minutes here. Rest of the Atlantic, uh, you know, t- Florida gets Drew. They got some other pieces like Robert Haig, but the Drew is kind of the big splash. They also, Ekblad goes on LTIR. Tampa uh, doesn't do anything huge, but they got um, Hagel, Hagel uh, from the Blackhawks. Nick, that Nick Paul. Nick Paul. None of these were, none of these came cheap, but they just kind of said, fuck it and went for it. Who cares? Uh, yeah. yeah, who cares? Toronto uh, doesn't do anything up front, uh, to my knowledge, unless they did something that I missed. They got Giordano and they got Blackwell. Yeah, Blackwell so like Blackwell, I forgot about Blackwell, but they got Mark Giordano, who now they're going to claim is like their number one defense. The missing the piece, guy. yeah. The missing piece is what they finally needed. Um, n- nothing in that. Uh, none of the other Atlantic teams really did anything of, of interest or at least to affect the Bruins' playoff chances. So the question is, how do the Bruins compare to everybody else now? And to me, I think they're cl- the needle has moved a bit. You know, they're closer. They've been playing a lot better. They're closer in the standings. But do you really feel like they can beat Florida like, confidently? Like, I, I, I don't know. I still think that's a, a question I mean, mark I, for them. Listen, I, I think the Bruins are a better team than they were a few days ago. But I don't think barring them swinging some trade where it's like, it's 315. What's happening? Oh, shit. They got Bo Horvat. Like some crazy <laughs> trade like that. I don't think any move is happening where even if they got better in an area that they could have used, that they were going to be viewed as a favorite against Florida or Tampa or Carolina. I think they're going to be an underdog going into all this. That being said, they're in the mix, right? Which again, who knows what happens? The Bruins could like, again, like just an example, the Bruins could have gotten uh hurdle or they could have gotten Giroux and you know, you're feeling great about how they are up front. And then Jeremy swimming could post an eight ninety save percentage or an eight eighty save percentage of playoffs. And it could all go to shit. Like we just don't know. Or he could go pull a, a Rask from 2013 and have a nine forty save percentage. And get past, you know, Florida and Tampa Bay. Like, we just don't know. At the very least, the Bruins are in the mix, right? They've solidified at least their defense. They have the potential, potential for at least three, you know, solid lines that they can roll out with regularity that can contribute on the score sheet. doesn't feel as, you know, as good as maybe getting uh, a guy like Raquel, what have you, but still they're in the mix. And sometimes in the playoffs, it's all, it's all you need to be, right? So I don't think they were going to be viewed as a favorite going into any of these probably first round matchups, but give them a shot. Right. And to me again, like what kind of killed them against the Islanders with defense, they got that right. They got depth. Yeah. Now they've got options. They have a legitimate top four on D that you can roll out every night. Uh, again, they have to figure out who's going to play with who, but you know, the four guys in the top four, but again, you need Carlo to play a lot better. McAvoy has been a horse this year. That's, you know, nothing new, uh, but you know, again, Grizzly fitting with him, Lindholm fitting with Carlo potentially, but the defense, I don't think you're going to lose in the playoffs because of your defense. I don't think that at this point, just given the Lindholm signing and even Josh Brown as a depth piece. Um, I don't think that's going to keep you again. I think it's the top six. If anything, if anything prohibits you, it's going to be that top six. Um, but yeah, the Giordano thing was funny because again, it's Toronto and it's like, oh, it's just another aging. That goaltending scares me. Oh my God. And, and Mrazic got put on waivers. And um, But the, speaking of goaltending, Flurry gets dealt to Minnesota, who the, the we've been saying this on our own, the wild look 
good. The Wild look like a team who could take down the Avalanche. They look like a team who could make a run. Like, that looks like a freaking team. And they got a lot better because they dealt Kakinen for um, who Middleton. you were supposed to get, Middleton. So, yeah. again, that's a team who looks that team will a lot better. grind teams down. Even even if they lose uh, one of these playoff rounds, whoever beats them is not going to come out of it unscathed. That they're, oh. they're going to wear teams down. In the play. That's a team that's built to kind of get through the war of attrition that usually is playoff hockey. So, yes. it's good good moves from them. Very much um, good moves from them. Any other big moves that, I, that I'm uh, missing? Chikrin didn't get moved. Um, didn't feel like the Colorado added a few guys. Uh, they got Lekkanen from uh, Montreal, who's a good player. But again, we'll see. Again, he's another def- like uh, analytics darling. But I still I'm worried about that team. The fact they didn't really improve that much on defense other than Manson. And I still feel like matchup wise, there's a lot of teams that can lay the hurt to them. So um yeah nothing again also just nothing earth shattering though in terms of some of these deals like there's other moves that would have been solid upgrades but not for i think what other teams were paying for or it just wasn't stuff that was moving the needle like again if san jose was up open for business which they should have been you look at Ant like i look at anaheim that's a team that has had so many of the younger players make huge strides forward this year that they very well could have been like you know what fuck this like i'm not moving Linda, I'll try to like work out a deal. Like we're ahead of schedule. They could very well have done that. And instead they moved a guy who they weren't sure they're going to be able to resign, look to the future. And they got a first and two seconds out of it. Right. Like not too bad. San Jose. I don't know. You're not, you're not negotiating someone who's steering it into an iceberg, right? Like what you just can't do it. So again, not saying that Bruins didn't do anything because no one else was playing ball, but you can only do so much from whatever the market's given you. So yeah. The other thing was, uh, I learned this today. Andrew Cogliano is only 34 years old. Yeah. I, I thought was that dude was like shocked by that. 38. I, I thought that guy was so old. He's played a million games, been around here forever. 30, only 34. Um, I was shocked by that. Also loved all the Kevin Weeks videos. I was, I was so excited to Man, see was where everywhere. he would take, I was so excited to see where he would take his videos for like the Jake DeBrusque trade. You know, where, where would he be? Would he be like up in a light fixture? Like what would he be doing? You know? Because you got to yeah. get creative for these. You know, you had guys with trash bins over there. A little like ferry boat in the East River or something. Yeah. I thought yeah. he was going to switch it up more. Maybe but, pull like a Cosmo Kramer and go swimming in the East River and have. I really, I really, <laughs> I really appreciated like how creative people that I saw him. He was at Stonehenge. He yes. was at, uh, I believe he was on Jay Fresh's player cards. Like, someone yes, put I him saw through. that as well. Yeah. Uh, someone did the uh, Spider Man uh, No Way Home where like Ned opens the ring and it was fucking yes. Kevin Weeks inside <laughs> showing up. I'm so well done. People have caught on to this very quickly. So it's a good way. Hey, it's a cool way to break trades. Someone tweeted something like, uh, you know, in the NFL, when Schefter breaks something, it's like, you know, this well thought out, well, not always well thought out, but long tweet, you know, 250 something words. That's some agent sends them. Some agent sends them with the NHL. It's like, you know, Giroux, number two, two, FL, FL, (laughs) simple shit. They're all competing with each other and they just send out a quick tweet. I like that. And I like that weeks got kind of creative with it and said, I'm just going to do these crazy videos. I think, I think it started uh, natural. Like, I think it, I didn't, I don't think he meant to start it like this. Cause I think he was just legitimately getting his haircut and wanted to yeah, like, just the the trade. And had to, yeah. yeah. And then that it, people were like, dude, you got to do these in other places that are even more funny. And I think he just totally leaned into it. So props to him for that. Um, breaking all the news, uh, with this stuff. Um, yeah, I pretty good deadline, right? I mean, what would you grade the Bruins on their, on their trade deadline performance? 
I'd say B, maybe it's B plus. Like I still think you need to like digest a little bit more, but again, I, it's one of those things though, where like, I don't know if like, let's say they got like, uh, they got like Max Domi, who I don't really think is an upgrade. People would probably just be happy that the fact that like they made another movie, it's like the shiny new yes. car thing, right? Where yes. like, I don't know how much that is influencing it as opposed to like how much of an upgrade, like I think people think Raquel's here and he's the 30 goal scorer he was in 2016. Right. Um, like again, you're not trading for, yeah. yeah, you're not trading for a guy who's set to go to market and doesn't want to stick here with Lindholm as best. They're like best buds, by the way. Like, that's why I thought he was going here with Lindholm because they are, you know, it's like you got the Bruins would have been leading the league in like bromances per 60 between like <laughs> Marshan and Bergeron, Raquel Lindholm, uh, old Mark and Swayman. You would have made a lot of sense, but all the, all again, the hometown like, you know, guys, Gris- yeah. like Grizzly and Coyle. So, again, you, you look at like what, team like Pittsburgh gave up for him for a pure rental where it's like two useful guys in the lineup in the NHL plus a second round pick. You look at cop, which is a, a second that's conditional. If becomes a first along with other assets, I think they had a, they gave up a pretty good guy down. I think it was Baron the AHL. So like mm. you're giving up cop for a conditional first Sidneka and something else for a, a rental, right? Like again, Bruins fans, some Bruins fans probably just be happy that you added a gov- another guy in there, but is he a guy that, moves the needle so far in the direction that it's worth doing it. Like who knows, maybe they're going to be bounced out in the first round after averaging two goals a game in a seven game series and be like, well, yeah, they should have been worth it. But again, I think it's something you have to have process a little bit more, but I still go B B plus because they are better. They are a better team. They got the best available defenseman out on the market, especially with chick or not getting moved just about whether or not they did enough up front. And it's going to, I think, rely on guys like DeBrusque and Halla to take that, not maybe not that step forward, but continue to pull on that rope, which I don't know, above their pay grade would have you, but it's, you know, you'd rather probably have a safer bet there in that spot. But again, we'll see what happens. See what happens. I give him a B, solid B, like an 84, because again, you, sh- you short up, you got a lot better on D. Like that's one thing you had to do. You, again, we've said this, the entire year, this team had multiple holes. They focused on one area. They should have focused more up front, which is why it's not a B plus or like an A or an A minus. Um, but you 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 got better. So again, like that is deserving of at least above an eighty. Um, and again, like as as you said, are the Bruins were the Bruins going to make any huge moves that were going to put them past like Florida or Tampa? Probably not, um, unless you're getting someone crazy good, which wasn't on the market. You know, you weren't going to be able to do. Um, I think we hit everything. The only other thing that I think we didn't hit, which we can maybe save for Poke the Bear, is the future Fabian Lysel and Smee's yes. comments on that. We can make people listen to Poke the Bear more because then we're going to say, hey, look, listen, we're going to talk about Fabian Lysel that episode. So uh, what can people look forward to over at uh, Boston Sports Journal with you? Yeah, obviously, we'll be breaking down this deadline, our thoughts on the short term, the long term for this team, how they stack up against the rest of the teams uh, in the Atlantic, in the East, and uh, how of a chance they have going forward so we'll have all that post deadline uh, analysis over at bsj so subscribe to boston sports journal.com want to follow me on twitter you can do that at connor ryan underscore 93 go do all that that's connor ryan i'm evan maronofsky you bruins beat listeners have a terrific rest of your week